Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. What's up? I feel um, I feel like I don't I don't have enough scandal in my life. I need more Liberal Party scandal in my life. <laughs> I need, you know, I don't know that I need more because I feel like there's, we're constantly in Liberal Party scandal. But what I would love is if all Liberal Party scandals went exactly like this one was going. You know, <laughs> I'm really feeling really feeling what it's doing for me yeah <laughs> it's like increasing the level of comedy in my life it's great I like it. <laughs> well I, I look at this and I'm sure you do too because you know as we both have like had very limited but some level of access to power looking at the machine of power I mean and you know that nothing's good behind the curtain <laughs> like it's all no. bad back no. there it's all a shit show <laughs> And so to see this like bear itself publicly is is so um, it's like a warm bath. It is like a warm bath of truth serum, <laughs> truth serum bath. It is it is so great. But before we get into it, can I just say mm-hmm. a thing? I want to say a thing. So the last couple of times we uploaded, our website disappeared. <laughs> And our website disappeared because there are so many of you who are taking a look when we when we update uh, with a new show, which is so wonderful. It means that there are so many of you who um, are listening to us and that that feels really good. But I just want to do a a short little plug because we had to buy more hosting so that that doesn't happen anymore. I just want to remind you that if you want to support the, the costs for the show, which include our hosting, uh, you can check us out on patreon.com slash Sandy and Nora, and you can contribute if it feels good to you. Thank you. Yeah, if you, if you like the hosting, pay for the hosting. <laughs> Please but do. we haven't, as hosts, gotten money yet. We actually haven't paid ourselves, eh? Like, we really no, should do I know. that. I know. We should. We should. Um, there's not a lot of money in there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But it's a labor of love, guys, so it's fine. <laughs> I think there's a second announcement that we can make, I think. I, I want to be vague about this announcement, so I'm just going to say uh, a couple of words, and then maybe you can fill it in. Does it have to do with Ottawa? Yes. Mm. Ottawa, May 7th. Works? Works. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so everybody listening from Ottawa, including the entire Liberal Caucus and the two conservatives who are like deeply self-shamed and listen to us uh, on the side, um, we uh, <laughs> might be coming to Ottawa. We might be coming to Ottawa for Maywork, so stay tuned. We'll let you know for sure, for sure, once we know for sure, for sure. Yeah, and if we never speak about it again, like don't don't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to SNC-Lavalin, yeah. the best liberal scandal there ever was. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a scandal that keeps on giving. So do you want to, like... Do you want to walk us through where we're at at this moment? Okay, so my fa- let me talk about the, my favorite thing about where we're at, because okay. uh, as you know, I've been like I've been like watching Question Period a lot, um, even though that's the most boring thing ever. And as I was saying to a friend of mine this weekend, I feel like if I was ever an MP and I was in Question Period, I would only ever have one question, which would be. What the fuck does it say about humans that after millennia of existence, 
this is what we have to show for ourselves. Yelling at each <laughs> other uh, questions that not a single one of us ever intend to answer. Mr. Speaker, please explain. And I would ask that question over and over again, because what <laughs> the fuck is the point of question period? <laughs> it's such a weird theatrical production. But in any case, uh, I've been doing that. I've been, you know, sucking up all the news. And my favorite thing that came out last week was that SNC Lavalin jumps into the fray <laughs> and says, sorry, no jobs were ever at risk. We never said that. We don't know what the fuck the liberals are talking about <laughs> when they said that everything that they were doing to try to make SNC Lavalin um, avoid prosecution. <laughs> Uh, was about saving Canadian jobs. SNC Lavalin said, nah, that is not us. <laughs> and I was like, wow, wow, wow. Now the corporation is so upset about what all of this is doing for them that they're like, screw y'all, liberals. We know you were trying to help. We know you typically you're our friends, but mm-mm, nope, we're not going down to that ship. Fuck you guys. The conservatives yeah. will support us too. And the way that it's looking, you guys aren't going to be in. So uh, we're going to make more friendlies with the Pierre Polyvers and Lisa Rates of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I mean, that was that was better than Chantelle Bears said in the last fucking two months. So thank you for that. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> the narrative has really shifted in the last couple of days after Jane Philpott's interview with Paul Wells. It seems that when when Justin Trudeau said that uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould's got to get in line or else they've got a bunch of columnists lined up to make sure that Canadians hear the liberal line. Here we're at. We're there. We're seeing that. And I'm not saying like the bad signal went out, but we're seeing something. Yeah, some of that started to come out with, with stories that are criticizing um, Jane Philpott, Jody Wilson-Raybould, and also I don't I actually don't know if I've read uh, a story criticizing Selena um, Caesar Chavan, um, but I I've certainly seen columnists on Twitter cr- criticizing her, so I imagine there might be some uh, stories out. And of course, she's she's an MP who was like highly used by the Liberal Party as a black woman MP in the caucus uh, who wore her hair in braids and she she was featured in a number of magazines and talked a lot about um, diversity and racism and the experience of being a black woman. And the Liberal Party really put her out front um, in, in trying to show the type of party that they wanted people to understand them to be. Of course, this week, she... She resigned um, from from the Liberal Party. She is now sitting in the House as an independent, which is such a blow to their, like, brand. Yeah. Um, and she was open... Before this, she was openly criticizing uh, Justin Trudeau on, on Twitter. And I guess we'll get into it a little bit, but... Um, I don't know if there's been any stories criticizing her, but there's definitely been columnists uh, twi- criticizing her on Twitter. So I think so, I think starting with Selena is a really interesting place to start because she is completely adjacent to this entire story. Mm-hmm. If you think the mm-hmm. story is just the 
uh, attorney general versus the prime minister on a highly technical question, these deferred prosecution agreements with SNC-Lavalin. So if you think that's the only story here, then it's weird that Selena has resigned from the Liberal Party. Except I think what you were touching on, Sandy, uh, is much more the story than anything else that we're that we're talking about because like SNC Lavalin mm-hmm. thought that they were getting a deferred prosecution mm-hmm. agreement clearly because like our our prime minister is the son of a prime minister who comes from money and our finance minister who's a f- super fucking wealthy guy try like they slipped in the budget in 2017 the ability to give pr- deferred prosecution agreements to corporations that break the law and so very clearly everything that we've seen so far is that SNC Lavalin thought that they could pressure uh, they could put pressure on Michael Warnick, the former chief counsel, uh, chief pre- uh, privy, co- pre- pre- privy counsel officer. <laughs> former, because amazing, because he re- he retired this week. <laughs> just, I re- I recall somebody was like, uh, "Did he resign?" And I was like, "Well, no. The liberal line is that he retired. It's just you know, <laughs> in the, in the, in this particular time, uh, he just realized, uh, oh, I've worked for." A, quite some time and it was always the plan I'm sure <laughs> just well yeah right I mean he certainly didn't walk out there being all like yeah. I'm resigning yeah, yeah. <laughs> right like he he walked out there as if like no he was ready to go so she holds his position as um as the parliamentary secretary to to Justin Trudeau she is uh outspoken and one of the things that I think that marked her uh tenure the most was how bold she was and how brave she was to take on Maxim Bernier. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And how very little of her caucus seemed to have her back. That's right. That's right. Very little of her caucus had her back, but you know, in in see, like they would it seemed like they would wait and see what happened and then like share it if it was doing well. <laughs> you know what I mean? On Twitter. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I commend her for having to to go through all of that. When all of this popped off with Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, and Justin Trudeau, Selena Caesar Chavan put out a public tweet uh, supporting Jody Wilson-Raybould's um, position and making it very clear that, like, within the party, for for those of us who kind of know uh, politics and know the personalities a little bit, um, one thing is very clear. This is not just about SNC-Lavalin. That this might be part of it, but there is some deeper uh, fight going on, and uh, SNC-Lavalin becomes like the proxy argument for whatever fight is happening. Okay, so if if you folks haven't figured that out yet, um, this is this is what's happening. Um, if you ask me to provide you proof, I'll just say uh, the proof the proof is that uh, there hasn't been like a scandal that has gone this off the rails before. <laughs> like the mm-hmm. proof is that it doesn't it doesn't make sense for a scandal to go this off the rails unless there's some sort of other argument happening. And that probably has a lot to do with egos and ideology and where people fall within the party. But there's an, there's like some other argument that's happening. And um Selena says, uh, you know, I support you quite publicly, which is which which shows you know, not only does she support whatever Jody Wilson-Raybould is doing on this on this file, she doesn't mind putting it out there publicly for scrutiny from her colleagues, other members of the Liberal Party, and and the and journalists. Which means that 
to me, quite frankly, this is this is much bigger uh, than SNC Lavalin, and um, that became even more clear when Justin Trudeau makes a comment saying, you know, if 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 people disagree with me, they should come to me. They should let me know. They should, we should have conversations. This is you know, I'm always here. I'm ready to listen. You know, being the good feminist that he is always reminding us that he is. And Selena uh, then responds on Twitter by saying, look, I did come to you with my concerns and you yelled at me. Remember that? And again, showing that this is much bigger than just SNC-Lavalin. This is like a revolt against uh, the leader of the party in some ways. And perhaps there's something else going on. But quite clearly, um, something about the way... Justin's acting is is getting some people pretty upset within the party. Well, it seems pretty clear that, you know, she missed the memo that says that she's supposed to have zero opinion and do what she's told. Mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> oh, 100%. And it also, like, I think that a lot of this boils down to that, right? It's like, so, you know, what do we have here? We have an attorney general who got taken out of her position because she did her job because she listened to the opinion of her staff and didn't think that SNC Lavalin like qualified for a deferred prosecution agreement and the and the pressure that the prime minister's office was putting on her was to get an, an outside legal opinion so that's where we were last december they shuffle her into like indigenous services a ministry that she cannot take will not take cannot take and they shuffle her into that and she's like I'm not taking that, obviously. And, mm-hmm. and according to Gerald Butts, rather than go, oh, yeah, shit, you know what? Stay in the attorney general position. We're a fucking bunch of idiots. They had to assert the power of the prime minister and force her to shift in the cabinet. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. That's what Gerald Butts told the Justice Committee happened. And so they gave her v- Veterans Affairs. But it was very clearly, very clearly a move to get her out of the attorney general position. And then they get, you know, David mm-hmm. Lametti in there. And, you know, we don't know what Lametti's going to do, right? We don't, Lametti hasn't moved on this. But what has the government done? They've gotten rid of Jody Wilson-Raybould as the, as the blockage, as we'd say in French, I guess, the blockage of making this happen. They've put someone else in there. Mm-hmm. And, oh, they just named a former liberal to be the independent legal counsel to look at, the role of the attorney general and of of how that office works with the justice minister. And it's like, what does independent mean? What does independent mean? what's the what's the definition of that word? I do they think we're not paying attention? <laughs> yeah, actually, that's exactly what they think. <laughs> yeah. And so they appoint Anne McClellan and it's and it's you just start having all these flashbacks. It's like fucking Sheila Klops, Anne McClellan, Judy Scrow. Uh, all of these women who are being trotted out or trotting themselves out to b- make sure that Jody Wilson-Raybould is completely dis- discredited. We- we've heard so many former liberal hacks, former politicians, uh, you know, someone like Glenn Murray, who comes online and refers to uh, to the way that people are acting, that they're that they're slinging mud or that they're that they're creating divisions or that they're not acting like adults, which is something I believe similar to what he said. And it's like, you have got to be kidding me. 
Like, what exactly is going on here? Now, first of all, set aside, like, the fact that we know very well that a lot of these, like, so-called adults definitely do not act like adults. (laughs) Like, at all. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. what exactly is the point of having a Sheila Cops come out of nowhere and say, unbelievably, that Jody Wilson-Raybould would have been fighting for these 9,000 jobs, which you've already mentioned is, was a lie, um, had they been Aboriginal jobs, which is what she said on, on Twitter, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, she's- <laughs> and then, like, double down and double down. And, like, this is someone who doesn't tweet, so you know, like, some sort of communique went out being, like, Liberal Party members, if you truly love us, yeah. <laughs> get on Twitter and de- and defend the palace and our prince. And so she starts tweeting these like really racist, terrible things. And then as people are like, hey, you're being very racist. She's like, I am not. And she just keeps doubling down because she doesn't, I, I don't know, have like her own PR, like isn't tapped into the liberal PR machine or I don't, I don't know. <laughs> She's like on, on her there. own and figuring it out. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. And she doesn't really know how Twitter works, probably. But she's just like, no, let me tell you how this is not racist over and over and over again. Oh, she was also a wonderful and wonderfully bizarre part of this entire saga that was just comedy gold. Yeah. Yeah. And and so the, but the but the obvious message here is that, well, OK, there's a couple. Is that number one, like the old white ladies are... Are, are serving to to be the the soldiers of of Justin Trudeau's Liberal Party and doing mm-hmm. everything they can to discredit and marginalize uh in well in this case we've got two racialized women at least um and we've got all women that are criticizing the party and this so the second side of this is that Trudeau just sits back and relaxes and be like yeah I'm still feminist like Christian Freeland calls me feminist so guess what <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really bizarre watching um, question period in the last few weeks where sometimes he wasn't there and sometimes he was. And he was just he himself was doing very little responding to the questions from the opposition. And he was mostly leaving it up to Bardis Chagger. He was just, you know, as you know, this great feminist that he is hiding behind uh, these women who he was like using to be his mouthpiece on this entire thing and sitting with like this really smug look on his like he didn't even look nervous it's just <laughs> so bizarre to watch um and the day that I was watching I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday I can't recall exactly it was the day where he was called a fake feminist um uh one of the men in the conservative caucus I can't remember who um went to challenge him on his feminism and then and that was at the point where he felt like okay now I'm going to respond and he like gets up and says I'd like to see uh if we're going to challenge who's a better feminist I would like to see you know I'd totally go up against any conservative here because I know I'm a better feminist than you guys are (laughs) (laughs) and it's just it is so it's so weird how they've chosen to have this argument the the like game board if you will on which they've decided to have this you know disaster scandal whatever play out on um 
both on the conservative side and the liberal side is like this weird game board of feminism. Like, is he a feminism? <laughs> is he a feminist? Mm. It's it's almost become more of the conversation than what the actual impact of um, what the liberals maneuvers around SNC-Lavalin and their um, their really shady business dealings and what their the consequences of those business dealings are um, have become like a second tier thing to this like is is Justin Trudeau a feminist or is the Liberal Party a feminist party it's a, it's a weird I, I think it's a strange thing that they've chosen I'm not really sure why but uh, you know the Liberal Party seems to think as long as they have women out on front who will out in front who will uh, support and speak for and on behalf of and in support of Justin Trudeau, everything will be fine. And the conservatives seem to think, like, as long as they have people pretending that they actually care about feminism now in some way, yelling about it, they'll be fine. And so then the, the columnists who are, like, in the liberals' back pocket are responding by doing a lot of uh, finger-pointing or finger-wagging at the conservative party for, like, saying, you know, why do you care about feminism all of a sudden? As though that really matters. We all know that they don't. Uh, and and then it becomes really weird and disastrous as these women in the party, in the Liberal Party, are like, you know, fuck the party. Like, this is, you know, Jane Philpott, um, Jody Wilson-Raybould, and C- Selena Cesar Chavan are all like, nah, fuck this, we're not going to play this game. It's all just very, very bizarre. <laughs> and, and it's really, it's high stakes too, right? Because it's like, so Selena could probably run again and has said that she's not interested. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is a big Mm -hmm. deal because being a one term MP versus a two term MP, like, you know, when you Mm -hmm. get involved, you don't necessarily think when you first run, you're like, I'm not going to win. And then you win. You're like, whoa. And then you don't necessarily think I'm only doing this for one term because it's such a pain in the ass. And you get you only start learning things at year three and you're like, oh, my God, I have to run again kind of thing. And I guess that's when you'd make your decision. But it's so clear that that there's no space in the Liberal Party to be on the outside of the Liberal Party, which is mm-hmm. in direct contrast to the kind of Liberal Party that Trudeau that Trudeau wants to to put forward as being the party that exists. And so it is it's actually kind of amazing that it's a corruption scandal that that's nailing them because we know that they're corrupt and that it's his fake feminism that he's using to try and cover up the the corruption scandal. And then if all that wasn't good enough, which actually would have been fine that would have been good enough (laughs) would have been a good enough (laughs) bunch of like things going on then the liberals get galaxy brained and decide to pivot to what to talking about the far right (laughs) have you seen this no so they 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 shut down the justice committee last week by saying that this is done, Jody Wilson-Ribble doesn't need to come back. We have all the facts that we need. There's nothing else to do here. And actually, there's something so much more important, which is the, the rise of the far right. After the New Zealand shooting and after, like, we hear Canadians, we have to study, we have to study extreme hatred. And it's like, wow, guys. Wow. You're right. Any Like, you've managed to make this, you're either with uh, us and being against racists or you're with the conservatives who are racists wait what oh my god it's like poetic <laughs> yeah 
right? Because all of this stuff happened around the same time as the Yellow Vest convoy. And that was very, very clearly the central command from the Liberal Party was, you know, turn the channel, make sure Canadians understand that if they're voting against the Liberals, then they're voting for the Conservatives. And if you're voting for the Conservatives, you're voting for this far right, like bullshit. And so the crassness of them to switch instantly to pivot out of SNC-Lavalin and the Justice Committee into the far right, as if this hasn't been an issue for a very long fucking time, is so, like, it makes me want to barf and laugh at the same time. Probably barf and then laugh. An issue for a long time that they had the most power to deal with at being in a majority government yeah. situation. It's like, Wow. So they also released a budget. They did. Which I thought was going to be like there would be some sort of like marquee thing. And I was assuming it would be like pharmacare, maybe some sort of schemey childcare uh, that would would try to get the the everyone to like pivot away from caring about this this situation. But no, no, it wasn't. It's just like it, it just feels like. Whatever side their PR person is on, it just it feels like, you know, I don't know for sure, but it feels like they're on the side of Jody Wilson Rabel. <laughs> like, I don't understand why, you know, this budget was just like, I don't I can't think of a single like sector that could be like, thank God for the liberals, <laughs> you know, after this budget. The fucking war sector and the RCMP. OK, but. Like, <laughs> that's not a sector. <laughs> you're not you're not going to get a bunch of like love out there being like we have to like vote for the liberals um, or support the liberal liberals from 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 that from them. You're not going to. I just like it was just like a smattering of shit, like literal shit. Just smatter it all over the walls and see which which wall has <laughs> the most shit on it later and maybe try to beef that up. Maybe that's what the plan is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so confused. What are y'all doing? Did you um did you catch uh, how Bill Morneau introduced his budget and like where he got? No, nah, no, I didn't see it. I didn't see it at all because I was so 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 busy that day. So tell me what's, what happened. Well, it it goes back to this whole thing. It's like the liberals are so good at tokenization. It's unbelievable. I mean, they could fucking mm-hmm. they should they should have a television channel where all they do is just tokenize. They're so good at it. <laughs> So, <laughs> Bill Morneau... By good, you mean bad. I mean, they're it's bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right? Yeah, no, I know. They're very talented at it. Their, their talent is bad talent. Yeah. Evilly talented in this. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so Bill Morneau gets his new shoes uh, from a cobbler in Toronto. And if you don't know what the fuck that's about, it's some goofy tradition in Canada where the finance minister always gets new shoes before the budget, okay? And so he's like, this budget will be for... Dude, I didn't even know that. What the fuck? I know, it's fucking stupid. I don't know why I know that, but yeah, it's a big thing. They always get their shoes. They're always like, check out my fucking shoes, and now I'm going to give you the budget. So, I hate this civilization. Yeah, so they go to a cobbler whose name is Lorena, and she's in Toronto, and they're like, this budget is for people like Lorena, and just wait for it. And he does all, does all of this at the Regent Park Boys and Girls Club. And what? Okay. So fast... F- yeah, exactly, right? Like, you see the connection, right? Cobbler, Toronto, Regent Park. Okay. And so he... <laughs> A couple of days later, he launches the budget and he starts the budget off again by talking about how he went to Regent Park and these kids are f- just fucking 
man, these kids are so fucking great. You know, they're kids. They're like playing together and they care for each other. I think he actually said that. These kids care for each other. And they pose the most important questions. What? For us. Right? Like, yeah. And this is how he sets up the budget. And you're like, what's the question? And then you have to read through the whole fucking budget. And then he like circles back to it and concludes about like how it's for their future. And the the stark contrast between kids in Regent Park, which is a very poor part of mm-hmm. Toronto, one of the poorest parts of Toronto, right? Like majority of people who live in Regent Park live in poverty. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a budget that's called for the middle class. So he's not talking about those kids. And he is worth $40 million mm-hmm. himself. It's just, it's so brazen. Mm-hmm. It's like you use these kids and you don't have like anything in your budget. You don't even pretend that the budget is for these kids because you're calling it the budget for the middle class. And even for the middle class, there's almost nothing in this budget. <laughs> and, and, and it's like you spent the whole last couple of weeks like talking about your feminism and what, what is in the budget on child? Like, I thought at least there'd be something on childcare, you know, like something major on f- childcare. Nope. I I just like they're just all over the place. They don't seem to connect anything that they say with the things that they have to do. You know, <laughs> it's just oh wait, that is totally what liberalism mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Never mind. It's on brand. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> so they go through you know the six week scandal, and uh, at this point, like. Jody Wilson-Raybould has not spoken uh, since, like, she first appeared at the Justice Committee. And she was bound by all of these, uh, by privilege. And so she said she wasn't allowed to talk about a period that followed uh, the cabinet shuffle. Gerald Butts was like, yeah, I can talk about it. What are you talking about? We're not covered by that privilege. So he freely talked about it. And then the liberals shut down the Justice Committee so that they didn't bring her back to be able to respond to those parts of the testimony of Butts and I think of Warnick as well. And so there's a huge question as to like, okay, so there's a whole portion of the timeline where we only have one side, but okay, fine. The liberals don't want that. So they shut it down. They pivot to, they pivot to the far right. They pivot to, uh, to, to being feminists. They issue this budget that is fucking got nothing in it of any interest. Well, actually, Nora, if you have $35,000 in your RSP, you can put that towards your home now. Who the fuck has $35,000 in their RSP? What the this, fuck? this was specifically designed to appeal to no one. <laughs> what in the world? Anyway, sorry. I just had to. That was the worst budget announcement. That was the worst part of that budget announcement. <laughs> yeah. How completely bad yeah. that, that part of it. Okay, yeah. great. And so here we are now. Nothing else has happened except for Wernick has gone into early retirement because that fucker couldn't even deal with a bunch of people telling him that he sucks his job online. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, he was all mad that people were like mean to him, but his proof was pretty, pretty nice actually. <laughs> people were not that mean to him, and so Jane Philpot does this interview with with Paul Wells, and now all the pundits are now are asking, and all of these old liberal people and Judy Scrow and whatever, and liberals themselves who want this to go away are like, why is Jane Philpot not leaving the caucus? And why is Jody Wilson-Raybould not leaving the caucus? We've just put Emma McClellan in this place. Everything is fine. And it is, it feels like you can see, you see them seeing the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And they're like, we are there. 
this is over. We've already <laughs> gotten rid of the most problematic women in this caucus. Every single MP is now united around their glorious leader. He's gone back to doing rallies or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and we're like six months out of the election. And and so to see so many columnists being like, well, why don't they, why are they just still in caucus? This doesn't make any fucking sense. And it's like, why in the fuck would they leave caucus? <laughs> why would they leave caucus? <laughs> what in the fuck reason? Like, because they've lost confidence in their leader? Like, they ran and they got elected as liberals. <laughs> and God bless them for fucking wanting to stay in that shit fucking party, but they've decided that. That is fully their right. And so to see this mm -hmm. new narrative emerge as being what looks like they're really trying to get to push this whole thing away... I find it pretty fascinating and pretty uh, exactly what I would expect from the liberals, uh, hoping that we're not that smart and that we would listen to columnists and the Judy Scrows of the world being like, "Ugh, why do they just, why do they just leave? Why are they still talking about this?" And it's like, "Cause there's been no resolution." <laughs> And which is also like a, a bizarre uh, thing to lob against them when it's like, you know, they could also be kicked out of caucus. <laughs> and so right. if 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 your concern is that they're that they're there, your question shouldn't necessarily just be to them, because if if, you know, as a, as a columnist, you're so concerned about this, like perhaps they're staying there because they believe that their party should take another direction and that they, they're committed to, to fighting for their party to take another direction. Perhaps you should lob your question to folks like Justin Trudeau and whoever runs the whole party apparatus as to why are they keeping them there? <laughs> you know, they, they, it's, it's not just one party that has uh, the power to decide whether or not they remain in, in caucus. So, you know, the fact that they are not asking that question to both sides uh, of, of this, the people in this argument is quite telling as to like what they're doing uh, with their commentary and who they're supporting. So where do we go from here with the Liberal Party? I mean, they they seem to be gearing up for election, although not quite, because as you said, that no, budget is not. No, they're not. It's as though they don't even know that an election is coming. I, oh, yeah. I, oh, my gosh. I, you know, watching Justin Trudeau, like, you know, uh, I, we have always on on this program on this podcast thought that he was like um, just a goof, a terrible actor, kind of silver spoon oh. type of dude. You know the kind of guy that if you went to the University of Toronto that you see at Trinity College all the time. You know that dude. We know that dude. And uh, it seems like a lot of people were tricked into not thinking he was a dude or something like that. But now everyone's like, oh, look, look at him. Look at him right now. Because you can see it in the interviews or when people are trying to approach him on this on this topic, how like, you know, child who got everything that he ever wanted, his his face is like contorting and like how he how he has to respond to this type of stuff. <laughs> and I'm just like, is is that? Is is that the energy that he's going into like this election with where he's just like, guys, I get everything that I want. I don't really need to focus on making a good budget. I don't really ever need to 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 do all of the things that any PR firm would tell me to do to make this go away. I, I'll, I'll just I'll just stay the course because I am the son of Trudeau senior. Like, is that what's happening? Like, I just. <laughs> Someone explain this to me. Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Just why has this gotten so bad? 
<sighs> they they think I I'm, I'm sure that they think pretty uh you know clearly about the numbers and and what the numbers are saying about their odds. It's like Quebec is going to decide the next election, right? There's a lot of votes in Quebec and um the the conservatives have not done very much here to to get more seats. The liberals haven't done much here to get to lose seats really. And the bloc is pretty much collapsing and so is the NDP support in, in the province. And so I think that this is just kind of a crass political gamble. The Atlantic Canada as well, like they're going to have to hold on to a lot of the seats in Atlantic Canada, but it doesn't look like the NDP is coming up to really challenge a lot of those. And maybe the Conservatives might pick off one or two seats. And the Conservatives, um, they might very well uh, follow the path of uh, what they've been doing so far, which is playing really hard to the far right, which will make people default to to the liberals. Right. It's kind of a strategy of hiding under coats and. You know, if if Gerald Butts was playing the role that everybody says that he played in that caucus and he's out now, so they also very well could be fully rudderless or somewhat rudderless. And, you know, it sounds like things in the prime minister's offices are not being run by the most talented folks necessarily. (laughs) This whole scandal is proof of that. So it's, it's pretty interesting to see all of this, but... At, at the end of the day, for me, what I what I love is seeing the contradictions of liberalism and of the Liberal Party of Canada brought to the fore mm-hmm. and and to see people grapple with that, to realize that, oh, maybe this party is actually full of shit. Maybe this party <laughs> is a bunch of liars. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't gr- I don't begrudge people for wanting to get involved with politics and they see the Liberal Party as like, well, you know, I hate the Conservatives and I like the Liberals. The NDP's like not my bag, so I'm going to go with the Liberals because it's kind of like central or whatever. Fine. You might find your way into politics that way, but it's like if you stay longer than six months with that group of people, though, I don't really know what you see. <laughs> what you see. Because <laughs> I'll never forget, like, I the year that you and I had to go to a lot of um, conventions, oh my political God. conventions. It was a terrible year. You managed to not come to the conservative convention, which was smart. But do you remember how fucked the liberal convention was? Of course I do. <laughs> I will never forget that. That was such a bizarre experience and very eye opening. Very, very eye-opening. Like, I had I had the, the opportunity to see both, right? And so it was like, on, on how the liberals tokenized people in general, it was unbelievable. And you think, like, the conservatives are, like, run by racists and the racists, blah, blah, blah. But there were much more average people in the conservative convention than at the liberals. In the conservative convention, it was diverse. It was, like, as diverse as you would expect Ontario to be. And it was like, wow, this place is, okay, there's a lot of people here, and it's diverse. The liberal convention was like the the racialized people were holding the doors and serving the food. It was like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, they have such a and then there's also like the the party of 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 lawyers and of business people. And there's also some of that at play too, professors. But I think that that really would surprise average people. Like I was so shocked at how unaverage the liberal party convention was and how everyone there was like yeah. a sleazy hack looking political operative <laughs> yeah 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 oh god 
Okay, so what do, I think an important question is like, what does this mean for the NDP? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Say, say, say you ran the NDP. What would you be telling them to do right now? <laughs> would you be telling them that the most important thing to do is to call for an investigation? Yeah. No. Um. So the problem <laughs> with the NDP right now is that they have gone far too into the into the procedure aspect of this. I think, and like, mm-hmm. and and you know, the NDP's lost it's way in a lot of different ways but one of the things that i i really wish that the party would do would be explain this stuff to average people because the conservatives yes. have yes. done a very good job of that every time there was a meeting of the justice committee i got an email from the conservative party literally like giving me the facts and bullet points <laughs> about where everything was at mm-hmm. and i was like well that's yes that's useful and and so like the ndp should be doing that as well but putting a spin on it uh to the left obviously and um, and people were really I I actually didn't agree with this, but people were really upset that uh, Jagmeet signed the same thing as Andrew being all like we're together on calling for an inquiry or whatever. You remember? Did yeah. you see much of that outrage? Yeah, I saw it. I thought it was. I also thought it was weird outrage. <laughs> I thought it was strange. Mm-hmm. It was like I don't. I mean, they're they're calling for him to stop being a douchebag. They're both doing it. So yeah, okay. That's yeah, fine. but but people were really mad about it, and I thought I that was um, uh, indicative of just like how angry average people are with Sheer. Fine, okay. Mm-hmm. So if people are really angry with Sheer, then Singh has to be aware of that and not walk into traps if they're being laid by the Conservative Party. So that's kind of like mm-hmm. one thing. Just release your own letter next time. Yeah, maybe that. <laughs> <laughs> It's like pretty simple. <laughs> but but you've raised this before. The the role that the NDP should be playing is actually drawing all these connections out for us and being like, okay, sorry, mm-hmm. if these deferred prosecution agreements existed in the first place, where the fuck was the NDP when like when it was being pushed through in the omnibus bill? Why is this the first time we're hearing about it? And why uh like SNC Lavalin is the most obvious company that would be using one of these things because they're have of all of their baggage of corruption. The NDP's never really gotten their mouth around explaining corruption. And this goes way back. Like, I mean, I I have been writing stuff since like 2012 talking about how the NDP needs to make corruption their issue. And um, and I don't really know what that's about. I don't know why there's a a, a reluctance to make corruption, uh, to, to, to put it into popular terms for average people and then really go hard on it being like, this is. Because the problem is, is that the, the language around the uh, inquiry suggests that this entire event was an aberration to how politics happens in this country. Right. Mm-hmm. Which it's not. Mm-hmm. No, no. And as as the um, the party that is supposed to be supporting workers, which is how um, the Liberal Party is kind of... Um, responding to the NDP in question period like the NDP will ask them a question and they would say the NDP uh, and then the liberals will respond by saying you know we thought the NDP really cared about workers we care about workers (laughs) and we're trying to protect 9,000 jobs and that's why we're focusing on this we're really surprised that the NDP isn't about it which is like okay so ridiculous because obviously the liberals don't give a shit about these jobs (laughs) that were never in in jeopardy anyway but as the NDP having that identity like go after um, the the way that corporations control governance in this country. Go after that. And in in also underscoring what you're saying about the NDP's role in explaining this to us, there was this excellent video that I sent you mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago, maybe, of Michelle Rempel of 
uh, an MP in the Conservative Party. And it's it's question period, the most useless thing in the world. <laughs> and she uses she uses her time in question period to ask like a roundabout question where all she's doing is explaining what's happened. She explains that, the, you know, that, that there was a um, a omnibus bill, like what the, the deferred prosecution is, what SNC-Lavalin is uh, being accused of doing, how that impacts people. And uh, she does that in this weird question way. And then what that allows the conservatives to do is they take that footage of question period, they chop it up, they put it on YouTube, and they share it everywhere. So they've done that for their people. And I'm just like, why hasn't the NDP done it? You guys should do it too. In fact, you should have a whole bunch of now this style videos about what the hell is going on here. It's so simple. And because, you know, you you don't even have to spend money getting a videographer to do this for you because (laughs) literally, you know, people can watch question period all day like I do (laughs) because it's interesting right now and funny. But don't do that usually (laughs) because it's really boring. But you can you can just. You can take that footage from question period, chop it up, and use it to inform people about what's happening. There are other examples of the liberals kowtowing to, cons- to large corporations. Corporations mean more to liberals than what average people are asking for. Um, you know, pharmacare is one of your marquee issues, NDP. Like, one of the reasons why the liberals have started to talk about pharmacare in the way that they have and the way that they want to move forward on it, I'm sure has a lot to do with, oh, I don't know, a, a corporation called Morneau, perhaps. So maybe maybe that's something that you folks should explain either in question period and then chop it up into a little video or, or something. Like do something so that uh, people understand what the implications are of everything that's happening. If you want to call them out on their feminism too, sure, do that. But just chop it up in a way and it's distributed in a way that it actually gets to average people so we understand what that really means. Like, why isn't Justin Trudeau a real feminist? Is it because he doesn't give a shit about uh, women who exist on, let's say, uh, reserves who don't have access to uh, clean water? Yeah, that's a reason. Like, fucking... I don't know, ask some questions about that and put it out so that people understand what's happening where this party is pretending to be something that they're not. Totally. But it's also, too, like one of the problems that the NDP has uh, gotten itself into over the last many years is that the party is not good at redefining the terms of debate, at actually changing the terms Mm -hmm, of debate. mm -hmm. And this issue is not an easy issue, right? Like it's a complicated issue. You have a formidable uh, opposition mm-hmm. in Lisa Raitt. Like, she has been very good on this. Excellent. And I, it makes me very upset. <laughs> oh, me too. And, you know, Murray Rankin was good too. Like, it's not like Murray Rankin was Even was Pierre Polyver was not the most Weasley he's ever been, you know? I know. Although they did have that other guy, the Cooper guy, who's, like, way more Weasley than him. And it's like they just passed the Weasel, like, one <laughs> down the line. <laughs> The new, the, the new crop are like the most weaselly, and then they slowly grow out of their like father's clothes or whatever. Jesus. <laughs> but the but the yeah but the NDP like you you folks really 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 have to change the narrative and to not fall into this trap because it's like the when you keep keep going back to your talking points about needing a an, a public inquiry, what happens when the liberals say no? Mm-hmm. Nothing. That's it. Like fucking nothing that's happens. That's you, the end of your talking it. point. You have nothing. You have nowhere left to go. You, you, 
all you give yourself is I we want an inquiry because we want to know what happened but you know what happened it's happened before so do something else (laughs) why why the inquiry yeah (laughs) come on guys yeah no it was very I feel like it was like like obvious and easy and like obviously this all broke at a very bad time for the NDP in terms of like yeah having a new leader in the house and a big deal and he wasn't even in the house until like pretty much the biggest part of this all happened because you know he was sworn in like last week right so fine uh, but you don't really get a pass on this because like Canadians really really need the NDP to be on the ball they need the NDP to be as well-researched as the conservatives, but then also changing the channel and this stuff. It should have been the NDP talking about the jobs. It should have been the NDP being like, I'm sorry, we're going to lose engineering jobs. Like, we're just not going to have engineers in Canada anymore. Are you kidding me? Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, and the first person to ask the question was Elizabeth May. It was the Green Party. (laughs) I was like, what in the world? Like, nobody else thought that this was something to poke a hole in? Jesus. Oh, yeah. And she also has been uh, punching massively above uh, her weight, um, mm-hmm. obviously, as a one woman show. Right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you you folks need to really I hope you go to like a, ca- a cabin or something and have a retreat in the next like week and um, really hammer out your SNC strat- SNC Lavalin strategy, because there has to be voices that uh, give space for Jody Wilson-Raybould to be the right one, the hero in this uh, narrative, that doesn't sound like you're only making her the hero because you're the NDP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And this this also goes back to the whole point of the show, which is that when we talk about the liberals, it is not worth it to call Trudeau a fake feminist. You have to show, you have to document, and you have to explain to people. And so that rather than saying you you know you you treat racialized people as tokens you treat women as tokens like you've brought you've trotted out all of these old liberal women to shut down uh, young or not necessarily all young but whatever new members of the caucus we need to see that shown and and you have to show it in a way that people will understand and will watch and will read and stop sending fundraising emails (laughs) (laughs) 